So um, I actually felt like, <clears throat> as we were leading up to the sound, I felt like God put something on my heart and uh, kind of just been wrestling with it, just been stewing on it for the past few weeks. And um, I have shared bits and pieces of it with some of you. Uh, Creative Community Night last week heard, heard some of it. Um, the staff this Tuesday heard some of it. But as I was preparing for this week, I really felt impressed on my heart that this was something that I needed to share with the whole church. And so that's what I plan to do. I want to share something with you. And it begins with a story about bread and land. Bread and land. And uh, in order to tell this story, we're going to be reading a lot of scriptures. So fasten your seatbelts. Seriously, I'm not joking, though. When we, when we actually start reading, you're going to go, wow, he wasn't kidding. Is he, is he going to give any kind of commentary or preaching at all, or is he just going to read the scriptures verbatim? You might feel that way for the first 10 minutes. And uh, the way I think about it is, um, you know, if you read the scriptures in the beginning, at least you didn't totally waste your time because you've heard the word of God preached. At least truth was spoken, right? Hopefully there'll be other truth spoken um, as well. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to look at three primary passages that I believe are intricately woven together. They're related. They're, I, I believe they're intentionally put together by God. Yeah, but before we do that, I need some help from the Lord. So we're going to pray together. You can pray for me if you want to, or you can just pray that this all goes well. <laughs> know that God speaks and, and that the church is blessed and edified in Jesus' name. So, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word that's living and active and sharper than the two-edged sword, that it's not just some book, it's not a myth, it's not a legend, and it's not even just a history book, but it is your very word. And so we pray that you would open our hearts to receive tonight, and that you would be glorified as your word is preached. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In our first passage, the year is approximately 1146 B.C. B.C. means, well... We say before Christ, it's also called before the common era, but before it was before the common era, it's also, it's before Christ. Do we, do we know that? Okay, wonderful. Just, just asking. Um, so in 1146 BC, what, what we see is that God has just delivered Israel from Egypt. He has parted the Red Sea, he has delivered them, and now they are in the wilderness outside of Egypt, and God has shown himself so faithful to deliver them as he promised he would through his servant Moses. But before almost any time has passed, they're already grumbling and complaining. Even saying absolutely ludicrous things like, it would have been better if we just stayed in Egypt. But before you rag on Israel, just remember, we behave the same way often. <clears throat> that being said... God brings a very immediate response to this grumbling. And what we're going to see is his response in Exodus chapter 16. Starting in verse 11, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat. In the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning... Dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? Or manna. 
for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, I'm just, I'm just trying to make, I'm just making sure you're listening, just engaging on it. Please don't fall asleep because we're reading the scriptures. If ever you're going to be uh, awake during a sermon, be awake when the word of God is being read. Just a tip for you. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, this is important. He didn't say that. I'm telling you this is important before I read what he said. Let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Israel didn't listen to Moses. <laughs> Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. Do you guys remember that part of the story? That they gathered it day by day? And, that would it, and if they tried to save any or they didn't gather any, that it melted and it didn't last them the next day? Remember that. That's important. Our next passage comes about 40 years later. 40 years later, God has shown himself so faithful to Israel throughout these 40 years. He has provided for them in the wilderness as we just read. He gave them the law so that they might walk rightly with him. He prepared a promised land for them to enter, but they were unfaithful to him and they did not trust him. That is the theme. That is the theme of the Old Testament. God is good and we don't trust his goodness. That's the story from the very, very beginning. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Just stay away from that one tree. Don't eat that. But, oh, you surely will not die. He doesn't want you to eat of it because he knows you'll be like him. All of a sudden, we begin to question the motives of God. We no longer give him our trust and separation. And we see this again with Israel. They did not trust, and so they were sentenced to wander in the wilderness for a generation, for 40 years. We find them here on the plains of Moab, which is right outside the land of Canaan, also known as the Promised Land. Now the name, Deuteronomy, the book from which we are about to read, comes from the Greek, the Greek Septuagint version. For those of you who don't know, um, the, the, the writers of the New Testament, most of them would have probably grown up with a version of the Old Testament that was translated into the Greek, not the original Hebrew. And so the name Deuteronomy actually doesn't come from the original Hebrew. It comes from the Greek Septuagint. So Deuteronomy, you would expect being in the Old Testament, that it would be derived from a Hebrew word, but it's actually not. It's derived from a Greek word. You're going, Seth, I do not care. Well, you should. <laughs> you should. <laughs> so it comes from the Greek Septuagint version of the Old Testament. It means the second law or the repeated law. So appropriately in this book, we find Moses reminding the people of Israel of the law and reminding them of their history with God. In chapter 8, Moses refle reflects on the Lord's provision in the wilderness and he speaks of the land that they will enter, warning them, do not forget God. When you go there and you have your time of abundance, uh, someone, in, someone in 2022 needs to hear this, someone in Heart of the City. When you go there and you have good times and you're living in abundance and everything seems hunky-dory, don't forget God. 
I can't tell you how many times I've had people coming to my doorstep, as it were, or to my office or to my phone number going, oh my gosh, we're going through hell. And I go, well, I'd love to be here for you. Let's talk through it. Hey, um, where you been? And then, and then, no, this is it. This is great. This is great. And then they're at church and they're in and they're at small groups and they're connected and they're, they're sold out and everything. And then all of a sudden, things begin to go all right for them. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, where's so-and-so? Do not forget the Lord your God in times of abundance. Do not forget the Lord your God during times of abundance. It will bite you. <laughs> Seth loves you. Seth is not mad at you. So this passage from Deuteronomy 8, bonus fact, this is the passage upon which we moved to Coeur d'Alene to start Heart of the City Church 15 and a half years ago. This, this, this is the passage, this was the, the logos that we clung to. I wasn't really clinging, I was actually 14 years old and I was pretty ticked about it. <laughs> but my parents clung to it, I complained. I was mad, I wanted to get out of here as soon as possible, but God completely turned my heart upside down. And now I am so in love with this place and this people. Lord willing, I would love to be buried here one day. Not because, of, not because we've come to a good land, although we have come to a good land, but we have come to the people that I know that I am called to. You guys are my people. I am your people. I want to be buried among my people because this has become not just home. This has become my good land. That's an aside. Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess. Did you see that word? That you may go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. God had already provided the land. He said he'd already provided 40 years before. Okay. <clears throat> And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember the wilderness when you're in the good land? That he, I am pausing in certain spots and not reading the scriptures. Have you guys caught on to that? Okay, just want to make sure. I'm not, I, I'm not trying to make it sound like my words are the scriptures. Hopefully, it's on the Sky Bible. You can know when I'm doing a commentary. <sighs> Sorry. Um, so my personality... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, some, may, some may call me a bit of an over-clarifier and a, um, and a pre-caller. Uh, so if you feel that at all, just, know, just, just look past it. Just look past it. The Holy Spirit's in here. There's just also some layers of me. I'm like an ogre. There's some layers of me in here as well. So, All right. I wasn't planning on this. <laughs> Got more than you bargained for. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and listen. And he humbled you and let you hunger. 
that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you. And your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And don't you dare try to tear that verse out of the scriptures. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in, in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care. Lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. Oh, man, this sounds so familiar. And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied and then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Don't forget where you came from out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, you brought your wa you, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that what? That he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Just a little bit more scripture. Bear with me. It's good for you. especially if this is only scripture that you have read this week. Our next passage takes place. Our, sorry. I thought about it. <laughs> Come on. Some of you are looking at me and you just need to lighten up a little bit. <laughs> and you need to read the Bible. <laughs> Oh, we have an elder here, right, Clark? Are you here? <laughs> Clark, you are more than welcome to rebuke me after the gathering, if you see fit. Woo! All right. We haven't even got through the scriptures yet, y'all. One next passage, uh, the last passage of, of the beginning of the message, takes place a little over 1,400 years after the one we just read. During those 1,400 years, Israel came into their promised land and lived in a cycle of rebellion and repentance, good kings and bad, but mostly bad, exile and return to the land, now under Roman control. And in Matthew 6, Jesus is preaching one of his most famous sermons on a mountain in northern Israel, and he instructs his audience how they should pray. Starting in verse 9, you may know this scripture. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You, so that, this isn't what the sermon's about, but hallowed be your name is not saying your name is hallowed. It is saying let your name be hallowed. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's a word of, it's like a, it's a petition. It's not just a recognition. Your name is hallowed. 
No, it's let your name be hallowed. I think we, we could pray that and it would be good for us to pray. Let, be, let your name be recognized as, as holy in my generation. Let your name be recognized as holy in my city. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We could preach a whole message on that. It's actually the verse right after that that I want you to tune into. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, we're into it. We're here. We made it. Here's the sermon. Now, as we were uh, in Seek Week and and, and through the sound and the fast, this this is what I felt like God showed me. Now that we've read the scriptures, I feel like I can tell you what God showed me. He showed me three years. 2020, 2021, and 2022. In the first year, I felt like what he showed me was that 2020 was marked, a year marked by preservation in a world that had at least seemingly crumbled into chaos. A, world of, a, a, a year of preservation. Now, I'm not saying he wanted it to be like that. I'm saying that it was. I believe he showed me that it was for the church, for the local church and the global church. These three years are for the local church and the global church. It was a year of preservation. You could even call it a year of wilderness. The Lord provided. He did. He did. In 2020, do you know the Lord provided? There's a lot of news stations that would like to tell you otherwise, but the Lord provided. But we grumbled. And we struggled to trust. He showed me that 2021 was a year of recovery, a year of return, not so unlike Moses' reiteration of the law and the history on the plains of Moab, right outside the borders of the promised land. We saw restoration of what the enemy tried to steal away from us through deception and division. Do you remember that? Now, 2022, this is the good news. I believe I heard him say that 2022 is not the year of preservation. It is not the year of recovery, but it is the year of taking ground. It is a year, this is why I highlighted this word a minute ago, it is a year of possession. We're not just rebuilding, we're expanding territory. We are making headway. And pressing forward with a new boldness and a new courage that has been growing and welling up inside of us for two years. You know what he's been doing in these two years? He's been getting Egypt out of us. We weren't in Egypt. Egypt was in us. He's been getting Egypt out of us for two years, and he's been filling us with something much stronger and much deeper. We are entering into The good land that the Lord had already provided for us. Now is the time we take and we possess it. I believe that 2022 is going to be a year of unprecedented victory for the church and for the kingdom of God as a whole. Now, hopefully you're encouraged by this. I was greatly encouraged when I felt like he downloaded this. I was like saying, thank you, Lord. 
We could, year, you, we could use a year of taking ground. We could use a year that wasn't just preserving. We could use a year that wasn't just recovery. We could use a year of possessing the land that you've promised to us. Now, you might be thinking, oh, land. I believe that the Lord is doing something in this year where there have been many prophetic words over this house, over this local church, over, over the global church that have yet to come to pass. That is what I mean by the good land. There are things that have yet to come to pass, and many of them are going to be coming to pass this year. I believe it with all my heart. Now, I was greatly encouraged, and I hope you are too, but then the sound passed, and there was more. And I believe he wasn't just showing me what had happened and what was happening and what would happen, but he began to show me our part in this. What is our responsibility in this movement of God? You see, there's a radical tension in the scriptures and in life and reality between the sovereignty of God and the action of man. Some people don't like to hold those two things in tension. But the scriptures do. It's not one or the other. It's both. There is sovereignty that God walks in, and there is action that we are expected to walk in. He has chosen. He's the king. He can do whatever he wants, but he's chosen to use us. He's chosen to see his will and his kingdom established on this earth through his people. And therefore, action is required. Not long after Moses' address in Deuteronomy 8, then his subsequent death, the leadership of Israel passed to Moses' assistant, who was? Who was? Brilliant. And the Lord says to Joshua in chapter 1 of Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I believe that's a message to the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Just as I was with Moses, so will I will be with you. Just as I was with your forefathers, just as I was with previous generations, just as I was with those of the revivals that you've read about, just as I was with those who you consider the giants of the faith, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause. Oh, we're just going to let the Lord do what he's going to do and just let it happen. And it'll just all be really organic and natural. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting, and I'm just praying, and I'm just going to pray about that. And um, you know what? I might just always just going to be praying about that, but 
you shall cause. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause. You see, when God sends his word, he almost always sends with it a you shall cause. And I believe that the Lord spoke to me that the you shall cause of this year of possession of the good land has to do with, wait for it, bread. Yeah, I know it's deep. Bread. What do you mean, bread, Seth? I'm so glad you asked. I want to recall the three passages that we read in the beginning to help answer this question. In Exodus 16, the Lord sent manna from heaven. It was very special, supernatural bread that collected like dew in the morning. And the people would go and, and, and collect enough for the day. But if they tried to save any for the next day or they didn't collect it, do you remember what happened? Yes, all of that's true. It, it melted, it stank, it bred worms, it was nasty. Forty years later, Deuteronomy 8, when Moses reflected on God's provision of manna, what did he say? And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And what else? Why? That he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. 1,400 years later, Matthew 6, what did Jesus teach us to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, so Moses and Jesus like to talk about bread. There's a point. There is a humbling and a testing and a good that the Lord wants to do through us, through a daily sustained Hunger for his word, for his voice, and most importantly, for God himself. Did you catch that? I believe that the you shall cause of 2022 of taking new ground has to do with us learning how to stay hungry beyond 21 days in January. Beyond the preparation for guest prophetic ministers. How many of us are trying to save manna from January and make it last for the other 11 months of the year? Well, Lord, you spoke then, and um, that was pretty good. So I guess back to regular life. You know, I sought you, kind of found you, ready to go back to regular life. Heard your voice. Ready to go back to regular life. You see, manna is a lesson. Manna is not just, manna isn't just an experience that the Israelites had. It's, it's, a, it's a lesson. And God was teaching that, God was, I don't want to say God was attempting because that's weird theologically. But God was teaching Israel, whether they were receiving the teaching or not is debatable. God was teaching Israel a lesson of complete reliance and trust. Manna melted after the day. Why? So they had to wake up in the morning and, co- and collect fresh bread. They couldn't rely on their own strength. They couldn't rely on, their, rely on their planning or their collecting powers. So let's be thankful. Let's praise him for what he did in January. But have you asked God what he wants to do today? 
Have you sought his face today? Have you asked him to speak to you today? I refuse, and I encourage you to refuse to let the January fast and seek week and the sound be our annual meal that we hope lasts the year. I believe that the Lord would ask us today, where is your appetite? Is it just as strong as it was a few weeks ago? Or has it waned in the wake of the sound? I believe the Lord would say to us, would you stay hungry for my voice? Would you stay hungry for my presence? Would you seek me these 11 months like you did in January? Would you seek me these 11 months like you did in January? Now, the sound is special, and it's a wonderful time, but I can't help but wonder and believe the sound in January is probably the closest thing to regular Christian life. It's probably the closest thing to regular Christian life that we experience all year. What do you mean? It's no, it's so it's so supernatural, so full of hunger and fasting and prayer and seeking and coming together and expectation. <laughs> AKA regular Christian life. What we do when we're not seeking is not regular Christian life. It is functional atheism. Seth's not mad at you. (laughs) The Lord says this. If you will seek me like you sought me in January for these 11 months, you will find me. You will hear me. And you will possess the good land that I am giving to you. That is the word. You see the bread and the land are not unrelated entities. He's bringing us into a good land. This is a year of taking ground, but if you're going to receive the word, I admonish you, receive the you shall cause. We love to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But how about give us this day our daily bread? How about How about the you shall cause of the your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How about the you shall cause that follows that? Commit to a daily collection of manna from heaven that expands your spiritual appetite. You see, in the natural, we can actually expand this is kind of weird and gross, but we can actually expand our stomachs. When we overeat, we have a bigger appetite a lot of times. That's what happens. When we, when we fast, actually our appetites can shrink. I know that because at the end of the fast, I did a really dumb thing. I went straight from water for three days to buffalo chicken sandwich and fries. 
and my stomach went, what? <laughs> but the same is in, is in the spiritual. Do you, you go, you go, Seth, how do I increase my spiritual appetite? You eat. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Then I'll be full. Uh-huh. And then, and then as you eat and you fill, your appetite is actually increased. The thing, the thing is, it's, it, it's not, when we eat and we drink of the Lord, it's, it, it's different from the natural in this. We eat, and, we eat and drink of the food and we're like, we're full and we're not hungry anymore. When you eat and you drink of the Lord, your capacity for him expands and you just want more. You know how I, how I, can, you know how I can tell that someone's been eating? In the spirit, they're hungry. Wait, what? No, that sounds about, I know. Upside down kingdom. I can tell that someone has been eating in the spirit because they're hungry. Would you commit to that? Would you commit to a daily bread life and not a yearly bread life and trying to take little nibbles from it, even though it's melted and got worms and stanks for the rest of the year? Okay, I got to be done. Would you seek? Would you knock? Would you ask? Would you chase after the God that you were so amazed by in January? You stand, please. Maybe you're here and you're, and first of all, you're here and you, and uh, you're just feeling like, what was that? Um... I would love, we could get coffee or something, because I, I don't really know either. <laughs> but outside of that, um, maybe, maybe you're hearing things like spiritual hunger and manna and appetite and taking ground and feeling like it's a little foreign to you. And that's okay. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. If, if, if churchy language is foreign to you, that's what we're about. We're, we're, we're about you. If you're here and you were like, what is he talking about? That's, that's, why, that's why I'm up here. I'm up here for you. If you're here and maybe, maybe it's not just the lingo that you're like, Meh. but you're like, I've heard of this Jesus guy, maybe even heard a little bit of the Lord's prayer before, but why are these people so passionate about seeking his face and his voice? Because they're the only things worth seeking in all this life. You can't tell me. I mean, we've all gone to other wells, friends. And you know what they do? They leave us empty. They leave us wanting. But when we go to the well, when we go to the most high God, oh, we'll be hungry, but we'll never, we'll never be wanting and lacking again. How, how, how can that be? I don't know. His thoughts are not mine. Somehow, you will never thirst again, but you will be so thirsty. Somehow, you will never hunger again, but you will be hungrier than you've ever been. Somehow, you will be so full, but you will be in desire of filling. How can it be? Ah, it's the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to invite you to today, is the kingdom of God. Jesus, he came... He came saying, repent, for the kingdom of God has come.
very close. The language we usually see is it at hand. Is it at, it's at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God has come very close to you. And if you're here tonight and you have not given your complete trust and allegiance to Jesus Christ. Jesus, Christ means, it's not his last name. It's, it's the Greek word for Messiah. It's the Greek word for Messiah. The Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one, the one who would come and would save Israel. And through saving Israel would save the world. And he would give everyone who believed upon him the right to become children of God. They would be given the keys to the kingdom. I want to invite you, if you've not given that allegiance to the king, the only true king, Jesus, I want to invite you to do that tonight. Why? Oh, for so many reasons. First, because he's your only hope. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And you're going, why would I want to go to the Father? Oh, yes, you do want to go to the Father. You do. Because in Jesus is the life, and there is life in no one else but him. Eternal life. Not just pie in the sky when you die, but cake on the plate while you wait. 